The Accidental Entrepreneur is brought to you with the help of our sponsor, A. Weber, the world's leading small business email marketing and automation service provider. Since 1998, A. Weber has helped more than 1 million small businesses and entrepreneurs through its suite of web-based email marketing, automation tools, and education. A. Weber, the best option when it comes to marketing your business. The podcast is also brought to you by the Alternative Board. Since 1989, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has been one of the leading peer advisory and business coaching organizations for independent business owners and CEOs across the world. By facilitating peer advisory boards, private one-on-one coaching, and strategic planning services, TAB helps business owners improve their businesses in ways that change their lives. And be sure to check out our affiliate sponsor, One of One Productions, the New Jersey-based podcast studio that produces and edits both audio and video podcasts. They sell equipment for the avid podcaster and have even created a guesting kit exclusively for our listeners. And be sure to support the podcast by ordering some logo merchandise from our online store. Listen to all of our sponsors' commercials later in this episode and follow their links in the show notes to learn more about their products and services. Kind of owning a business and, and serving a community is, you, you know, you start it with your own kind of preconceived notions and concepts about how things are going to work. But once you get to a certain level, you kind of have your own focus group and it's more of using the community to tell you what they need. So when we started, we we kind of had a similar concept as, as as you would think is like, okay, how are we going to sell you know ten right. kettlebells to a person, right? Like this is right, the exactly. Person. Yeah. But we quickly realized that was not true. You know, we quickly realized okay. you, you buy one and you realize you need more than one. So most okay. people don't come and buy the full needs in their first purchase. So you can, you know, rather than you buying the five or ten that you actually need, you're going to buy five over the next six years. And then what else can we supplement in there to oh, okay. to also get you? Because we basically can ship that now for free to you. So, you know, once a year we get to ship you something else that you can purchase for free along with your your average, you know, or your normal kettlebell purchase. And I think that's more of the the typical so the customer. Cross sell, the upsell. The cross sell, the upsell, the like you have a community of loyal. You're customer. talking about, you know, three plus purchases from most of our customers. And we wouldn't have expected that starting the business. And you know, I think that's just us looking at all businesses like data and kind of like a a growing organism that it should take the data and take the community and then we just kind of turn that into products that they need you know if if our yeah. community is saying they need um if they like dumbbells as well we'll partner and create relationships with a dumbbell company or we'll we may come up with our own new brand of dumbbells right you know or we'll, you can wholesale it right it's exactly still we, money. We'll, we'll serve the com- we'll serve the community but keep right. the brand focused on what it's about and the, the brand's content generation strategy. And, uh, you know, like we would try to see it less like the ESPN of the kettlebell world where you're trying to create a centralized place where people absorb credible information and then you serve that community whatever products that they want. Uh, right. Could be supplements yeah. and protein and, you know, yeah. whatever. Doesn't have to, right? Didn't have to be weights. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So now you're building a, a mailing list of people that you know. So I guess that's what yeah. ultimately brought value to the business, right? It was the it was the community, the loyal customers, and the brand name over time. Sure. I mean, and you're talking about, you know, we we are doing this for 10, 10 years. So, you know, we yeah, have of hundreds, hundreds of thousands of leads at this point that uh, – yeah qualified leads that you know we've we've paid for and communicate with on a regular basis so once you have such a large mailing list like i say it it becomes a lot easier to bring products and services out because they'll tell you what they want yeah see i ask good questions i don't know people don't think i ask good questions but that's a good question right all right welcome to another episode of the podcast got a great guest today uh, this is actually a rerun. Nobody knows that, but Chad and I had some technical problems due to my inabilities with our new platform. So he came back on. It was nice enough to come back on. We're to talk to him. If you are listening on your favorite uh, audio platform, Amazon, Google, Apple, Spotify, be sure to leave us a five-star review if you can. And if you're watching us on YouTube, uh, subscribe to the channel and be sure to like us. So let's get on with today's show. The information provided in these episodes is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a guarantee of success or to be construed as advice of any kind. You should always seek advice from local licensed professionals before making any decisions. 
The dictionary defines an entrepreneur as a person who organizes and manages any enterprise, especially a business, usually with considerable initiative and risk. People often start a business without much choice, perhaps due to a job loss or just being dissatisfied at work, and they come up with an idea they just know can be successful. They become entrepreneurs by accident. That is to say their success or failure happens by accident, not with intention. My name is Mitch Beinhacker. I'm a corporate attorney and a business advisor. You're listening to The Accidental Entrepreneur, my podcast about how to achieve success on purpose, not by accident. Join me along with our monthly guests where we share our knowledge and help you get a hold of your business. And now on to today's episode. Hi, my name's Chad Price. I'm the founder of Kettlebell Kings and I'm now the CEO of Life Grows Green, my lifestyle brand around natural and green products for a healthy lifestyle. All right, Chad. So, uh... Things have changed since you've been here. So now I got the music. I figured all this stuff out. I actually did an episode where I didn't realize the recording wasn't on halfway through <laughs> with, with the person I was talking to. And we had to salvage that, too. But I uh, only had a few of those far between. So I apologize. For those of you listening, the technical difficulty was I didn't know how to use the system. And on the video, Chad's voice would echo, would like double. So then we got him on earphones and we're, we're doing it uh we're doing it differently. So, Chad, thanks for coming on. I know you're you're, you're the former. You still don't you don't own Kettlebell Kings anymore, right? You guys exited that company. Yeah, we exited in November of 2021. Uh, it was part of a three year acquisition, but yeah. So, I'm still- and you have a lifestyle brand. We're going to talk about. Yeah. You're a, you're a true entrepreneur. You used to be in corporate America. So, why don't we go back? Tell me about your experience in corporate America. What you made you you know pack it in and said I'm going to become an entrepreneur and how you even developed the idea for kettle for kettlebells. Sure. Uh, when, when we started, you know, or I should say when we started, when I kind of started my corporate career or after I graduated college, I, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I uh, right. worked for a couple of small businesses in construction. Uh, so, you know, I was a project manager for construction. Just have like a general degree, general business degree? Yeah, I got a general business degree. Yeah. And, uh, it's a double major. I specialize in sports management as well. Um, oh, okay. But it, it was... I knew I wanted to be a part of some successful team. One of right. my, actually one of my teammates' dad owned a construction company. And so mm-hmm. he, he, you know, he needed some help, had a position for me and I could, it was kind of a, a quick work after college. And, and that is uh, kind of how it works, right? You go to yeah. college, you're all excited, you get this great major and then you come out and you're like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, yeah. you didn't know, right? Well, yeah. And I've always been a guy to like, you know, work different jobs. So I had worked construction before. Um, okay. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested in like, completing projects. So, you know, I like to start something and finish something. If it's something that just becomes like monotonous, monotonous right. every day, Doing like, all can, the time. can we automate this and get me out of here? <laughs> you know, right. like, exactly. There's no need for me to be here anymore. But okay. I, I really did like that about construction. But there just wasn't as much money doing what I was doing in construction, working for um, the, the company I was working for. And so I got right. into oil and gas, uh, which oh. was more traditional corporate America. And so I was working right. downtown uh, actually for Trans Canada, um, and that was so probably, what town was that in? What that was in city Houston, you? in Houston, Texas. Oh, well, yeah. it makes sense. Oil and gas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so the heart, the heart of oil and gas. Yeah. Right. Uh, but you're in the you're in corporate America. You're not at the oil rig. You're not in the correct. fields. Yeah. So we're yeah, the right. you know we're talking about the you know 26th floor or whatever some, some right. building uh, downtown. Got but it. Basic, so, basically, right. it was a good experience of what uh, corporate America was. You know, you're really yeah. living the downtown lifestyle you're seeing in, in kind of amongst the same people who would aspire to be, you know, uh, VPs and CEOs of these right. kind of huge lifers. corporate companies. Yeah, exactly. The yeah, lifers, of course. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's exciting, right? Being in that network, I kind of realized yeah, it, it was it was exciting for sure, especially when you're younger. You know, I think yeah. it's a, you really see like, okay, this is a this is how it is for the rest of your life. You know, you, you get to see someone who's 55 and been through, um, right. Kind of you're like, you're do I want to, to be that person? Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I felt exactly. the same way when I was in corporate. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and so some, some of those situations, you know, for me, it was, I, I've always been a type of person, like I like to get the experience and then I, I know what I'm, what I'm missing out on. So there was kind of no 
it was a no brainer that I was going to enter corporate America and get that experience. And once I did that, uh, I quickly kind of realized like, this is not the same as like, you know, project based getting things done, right. you know, it, it is more of like you say a lifer and it's a, it's a, yeah. it's a culture that you kind of have to cultivate your, in, your, in yourself and be a part of if you really want to make it long-term in corporate America. Right. Definitely. Um, and that, that just, you know, it didn't fit necessarily my person, personality or my own, my own personal right. aspirations. So how long was that? How long were you with them? I was with them about three years. Okay. Uh, yeah. Before I realized, you know, I need to jump into my own thing. Um, right. And so in doing that, I, well, once I realized that I started kind of reaching out to four to five friends and letting them know like, Hey, I really want to start my own business. Like this is something that I'm serious about. You know, I'm, I'm really going to do this. I just, we have right. to find the right kind of fit and product. And yada, yada, so was, yada. was this to like, Hey, do you want to partner with me or, or do you have ideas or what were you? What yeah, was the, the main goal I had initially was to find three friends that wanted to do it. So, you know, I had kind of pre-selected a number of people and we had talked about things in the past about you know, yeah. what we might want to do, but yeah. So uh, you knew they were interested. I knew some people might be, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah, exactly. I knew some people might be interested. You know, I, I went to Rice University. I have quite a few intelligent friends. I have some very competitive friends. I played sports, you know, my entire life. So, right. you know, I, ha I have friends who uh, were in professional sports settings and things like that as well. So I really so had that like the, that was the industry you were thinking about. Well, like I just had a, I just had a like, network of people who either yeah, had okay. either resources, yeah. the knowledge, you know, the aspirations. Like to, a natural market. Yeah. To, to try to do something like that. So my main goal was to get at least three of us together so that we could have, you know, an easy decision making process and uh, I really like, you know, moving things forward. I'm not big on kind of holding things up and letting people's personal egos get in the way. So I wanted well, to Well, that's have what like exactly this. what corporate America is about. Exactly. And, right. and I wanted to have, you know, this is a, a, a council. We vote and we move on. Right. You know, get we, things done. <laughs> we get things done. If we don't, yeah. we're not going to all get our way. We don't like have to like everything. Everyone is trying to move in the best interest of the business. And right. If everybody trusts that and keeps that as the focus, we all get better at doing that uh, as we go along. So when I found those two partners, um, we decided, you know, we're, we're all going to put $10,000 into an account and we're going to start okay. figuring out what we want to do. Okay, so you you weren't really the accidental entrepreneur. You were the purposeful entrepreneur. You said, "Here, let's put money into a bank account. Yeah. Let's sit down and let's start brainstorming and yeah. you know strategically working out ideas." We we knew narrowly that we wanted to do something in e-commerce. Uh, okay, so we knew we didn't really want to have a physical location. We wanted to build something that something people could experience on and and did not have to travel to a physical location to have. Uh, okay, so. We didn't know, know at the time. Was if that was year, what year was this? This would be 2011, I guess, when we started okay, thinking so there about was it. Some foresight to that. Yeah. And then 2012 is when we launched it. Okay. Uh, but we didn't know if it was going to be a product, a software, a service, really any of that. We just knew we wanted to kind of fill that online need. And okay. at the same time, I was also, you know, exiting, let's say, competitive sports and um, entering into more of a working out for a functional fitness and for kind of the, just to have a healthy lifestyle for the, you know, for the rest of my competitive life. Competitive sports was college, right? And then competitive sports was college. Play college. I played football in college. So, oh, okay. Sure. Yeah, so I, for, I, uh, for, who? for Rice University. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You told me that, right? Yeah. Rice is in Houston. Yeah, Rice is a small school, Houston. right? Like 1500 students. Is it that small? I think it's like 4,000 or so or yeah, so, something small. like that. But yeah, it's, like it's, a, it's a pretty, pretty size. small school. Uh, right. Yeah. And it's, Highly, you know, academic. Uh, yeah, it's a great school. Academically great school. recognized school. And, you know, there's yeah. a lot of experience that I take from Rice and still use to this day because, you know, sure. very like corporate America, it gives you insight into how intelligent people think and how yeah. to interact with people who are more or less intelligent than you. And uh, even on the extremes of intelligence where, you know, you, you have literal geniuses that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, yeah, probably um, good, good connections and stuff. Yeah, so I, I think these just, guys all did they go to Rice with you, or did you grow up with them, or one of them did. Yeah, one of them went to Rice with me, and then one of them was best friends with another guy who went to Rice with me. So Got it. we knew each other from you know since we were eighteen years old, and had kind of hung out and went through the college experience together, and had all went our separate ways in corporate America. Um, Got it. One one of the my partners actually was working with me at the oil and gas company that I was oh, working with okay. as well. So we kind of had 
you know, talk about his work. Yeah, work. Well, he wasn't he wasn't as miserable because he ended up staying there quite a while. Um, oh, he did. Yeah, okay. you know the. We realized after about six months of starting a company that socially and from the leads we were able to generate that we really had like found a, a need, let's say, if you will. So okay. before before the the revenue showed up on our bottom line, we kind of knew this was going to take more than us just kind of half-assing it, if you will. We, you know, right, we, yeah, we knew some, yeah, someone right. was going to have to kind of put more full-time That was the Kettlebell in, Company? And that, yeah, that was the Kettlebell Company. So, so, I mean, maybe, I don't know if you remember what, what other ideas you came up with or toyed with or thought about. I'd like to know those. And also then how you ended up on Kettlebells. Obviously, the relationship is you're physically fit, you played football, you're probably still working out, lifting weights or whatever, so you're in that world. But I'm curious as to what that process looked like. Like, what kind of cockamamie ideas did you come up with? Sure. Uh, we had different ones, you know. Um, we had everything from, like, rolling papers, you know, like um, like smoking supplies and accessories right. and things like that. Not to, related to sports and health and fitness. Exactly. Not related at all. Um, right. To tools, to um, okay. different type of men's subscription uh, offerings. Uh, yeah. You know, so it, it, w- it was a ton of different ideas that we had on our list. Kettlebells, because we were on this kind of personal journey as well to find our next functional fitness and uh, kind of own personal workout routines, we were not really familiar with them at all. And we all started utilizing them after college together. And the popularity of the tool itself was also increasing at the time. So, you know, you were you were talking about looking at a growing market and looking at a niche that wasn't necessarily filled by anyone at the particular time. So at that time, it wasn't as like you see them all the time now at the gym. Yeah, you see them Just everywhere now. Kettlebells are those; they're like round weights with handles on the top. I don't know if they're always round, right? But they have handles on the top of them, as opposed to like dumbbells, right? Correct. So yeah, I mean, the easy way I just explain it to people is like you know, it's like a a ball with a horseshoe on top. It's, it's yeah, that, that's a good way to describe yeah, it. That's a an easy way to describe it. But and and why did because I, I guess I I wasn't I didn't play sports in college, but I I was weightlifting. You know, I was going to the gym downtown, whatever. They didn't have a fitness facility at the school in those days. This was you're talking eighty five, eighty six, right? I'm older yeah. than you, and uh, so we we didn't have kettlebell. I mean, I don't think they existed. So where where what are they? Where did they come from, and why are we using them now? Well, they—that's the thing. They've always existed, right? Like they're—they're—they're okay. they're, uh, they're an ancient tool. So you know, the first kettlebell, someone decided to drill a hole in the rock and use it as a handle, and you know, bigger rocks equals more weight. And that—those are—you have different examples of people throughout history making those types of kind of heavy lifting devices or anchors or whatever, whatever you want to kind of use that tool particularly for. Okay. Um, but well, as opposed to a dumbbell, like what's why a kettlebell? Just because it's easier the, to use. The biggest difference is the the symmetry of it, right? Like the okay. a dumbbell is going to be des- designed for it to be perfectly symmetrical over a bar, whereas a kettlebell is going to have the weight kind of more. It's going to be more bottom heavy, and yeah. different kettlebells can be made differently. So you know when you're talking about, uh, especially if you're talking about competitive competitive kettlebell lifting, you can make it more bottom or top heavy by the different ways you cast it, the way you make it more or less dense on the inside, you know, the hollowness of, uh, okay. of, of the bell that you're making. Wait, 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 back up. There's competitive kettlebell lifting. Absolutely. Yeah. You're absolutely. kidding. Well, I it's guess there's cornhole. There's gotta be kettlebell. So is that like on ESPN or is it just, yeah, it's, it's ESPN. Yeah. Ocho. yeah. No way. <laughs> yeah. No, really? It's, no, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not on ESPN yet. It's, uh, but it's an entire world of, of people who, uh, are you know they're world 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 um, world class athletes. You know they they have more ability and strength than any professional athlete that you would ever see. Really, you know, you, and, you and they have, compete like you see dead weight lifting and those you know body those kind of lifting. They have competitions. They have competitions very similar to that. Wow. So you're starting yeah. to see a lot more of them. You know if you go to Olympia or Arnold's or any of your your major fitness events. You right. would be able to go and see uh, kettlebell lifting events as well, and the company, you know, Kettlebell Kings that we started, we, you know, that was one of the core kind of foundations that we had. We would go out and we would partner with, you know, organizations, kind of these grassroots organizations that sponsor and support these athletes that no one really knows exist or recognizes. And, right. You know, I think that kind of stuff goes a long way when you're trying to build a brand, especially around a niche and 
have the kind of authority in that space. You know, it, it really helped us build the level of ground support and credibility uh, early on supporting groups like that. Yeah, it's probably because I always talk about niche, you know, niching down. And when you niche down, you actually increase your profitability and your productivity and everything. I would think that it would be a good net, right? It's not such a wide open marketplace that you can't get in there and do it better or compete, right? Because it couldn't be a lot of a ton of kettlebell companies and people sponsoring people. And right, I would think it'd be a pretty, pretty specific niche, no? Yeah, I mean there were there were almost zero sponsorships when we when we started doing it. There you go. You know, right. we in I think that's the good place to be for any business where you're building out that model and then other people are coming behind you to try to, you know, outclass you or or uh outbeat yeah. you, if you will, in, in your sponsorships. Yeah, definitely. But when you when you build it from the beginning, you know, it began, it builds a lot of not only just the brand loyalty, but you know, a lot of personal loyalty and personal equity with those organizations that hadn't been previously supported. So you know, if, you, if you're the first person to do someone right, who's been kind of waiting and hoping for these types of opportunities, you know, it's really your position to lose versus you competing with the rest of the market for it. All right. So so let's talk about the business model, right? Because I I heard some of the things you were talking about, some of the subscription based. You meant you, you meant you said men's supplies or grooming or whatever. Those are good businesses, right? Because people use up what they have from you and then they buy more every month or they're on a monthly payment plan or whatever. I, I don't think they're buying kettlebells every month from you. So what what's the what's the business model and how many kettlebells do I buy, you know, one person and how, who do you sell them to? You sell is it more of a B2B sale where you're selling to gyms and facilities or B2C or what's the business model? Well, I mean that that for that particular business, you know, I think different businesses can have different models obviously. But for that particular business, I think, you know, it is kind of on the extreme, if you will, of having a longer sales funnel and a longer strategy uh, okay. than most businesses. So you're not just going out and just, you know, spending, you know, five bucks on a Facebook ad and someone's buying a kettlebell. It's a, it's a, it's more of a educational process and bringing people into a community. And then once you have a community, that community needs equipment. And when the community needs equipment, you can also offer, you know, top of the line equipment. And if they're associated with your brand, it's going to become a no brainer purchase for them. But is it more of a B2C purchase than a B2B purchase? Most of it is B2C. Uh, okay. Yeah, most of it is B2C. But, you know, there's a lot of B2B as well because you have such large gym chains and you have such, uh, right. you know, such a big focus around the world. Let's say it's a, it's a growing uh, market in, in general. Fitness is as a whole, but then home fitness yeah. is even you know, it's even grown significantly more, even pre COVID and then COVID just, you know, completely no, put it on steroids. Everybody's like, I got to be able to work out at home. How am yeah, I going to do this? And it right? hasn't, and it hasn't even slowed down. So, you know, even, a, Peloton, even if, even if you think things, the, yeah. you know, the, uh, the whole market right now is not favorable, the fitness market is still booming and it's still well above where it should even be uh, post COVID. So, yeah, well, I think people's health is important to them. And I think I uh, like the clients that I have that are, have gyms and stuff in it you know, um, uh, CrossFit and all that. I mean, they jumped and said, how do we get these people online? Like right away. Yeah. The ones that didn't do it are out of business. But um, yeah, I mean, I think that really gave everybody a push. But you're right. I mean, look, health and fitness was always a huge business before COVID. You know, Peloton was an example of that, right? And yeah. and it's become, you know, bigger now that people are, I mean, a lot of it is not just because we're, we're not trapped in our homes, but a lot of it is, um, we're working from home, right? So yeah. we want to stay home and work out at home and not go to the gym. I like to go to the gym. I like to get it. I get out of the house, go to the gym, come back. I mean, I also don't like to live work at home. I go to my <laughs> office, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised at all, but, but so what's the, but what's the value of a lifetime of what's the lifetime value of a customer? I mean, how many of these things are going to buy? Is it, I mean, you're, you're constantly marketing, got to resell and, and find new customers all the time or, well, I think that's the beauty of of kind of owning a business and, and serving a community is, you, you know, you start it with your own kind of preconceived notions and concepts about how things are going to work. But once you get to a certain level, you kind of have your own focus group and it's more of using the community to tell you what they need. So when we started, we we kind of had a similar concept as, as, as you would think is like, OK, how are we going to sell you know, 10 right. kettlebells to a person? Right. Like this is right. Exactly. Purchase. 
Yeah. But we quickly realized that was not true. You know, we quickly realized okay. you, you buy one and you realize you need more than one. So most okay. people don't come and buy the full needs in their first purchase. So you can, you know, rather than you buying the five or 10 that you actually need, you're going to buy five over the next six years. And then what else can we supplement in there to, oh, okay. to also get you? Because we basically can ship that now for free to you. So, you know, once a year we get to ship you something else that you can purchase for free along with your your average, you know, or your normal kettlebell purchase. And I think that's more of the the typical so the customer. cross sell, the upsell. The cross sell, the upsell, the like you have a community, a you're, loyal you're customer. talking about, you know, three plus purchases from most of our customers. And we wouldn't have expected that starting the business. And, you know, I think that's just us looking at all businesses like data and kind of like a a growing organism that it should take the data and take the community. And then we just kind of turn that into products that they need. You know, if, if our community is saying they need, um, if they like dumbbells as well, we'll partner and create relationships with a dumbbell company, or we'll, we may come up with our own new brand of dumbbells, you know, or you can wholesale it, right? We'll we'll serve the, we'll serve the community, but keep the brand focused on, what it's about and that the brand's content generation strategy. And, uh, you know, like we would try to see it less like the ESPN of the kettlebell world where you're trying to create a centralized place where people absorb credible information and then you serve that community, whatever products that they want. Uh, right. Could be supplements yeah. and protein and you know, yeah. whatever it doesn't have to right? didn't have to be weights. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So now you're building a, a mailing list of people that, you know, so I guess that's what yeah. ultimately brought value to the business, right? It was the, it was the community, the loyal customers and the brand name over time. Sure. I mean, and you're talking about, you know, we, we are doing this for 10, 10 years. So, you know, we yeah, have of hundreds, course. hundreds of thousands of leads at this point that, uh, yeah qualified leads that you know we've we've paid for and communicate with on a regular basis so once you have such a large mailing list like i say it, it becomes a lot easier to bring products and services out because they'll tell you what they want yeah see i ask good questions i don't know people don't think i ask good questions but I, that's a good question right yeah, for sure. because i think a lot of people don't think about that they start a business and they're they're making a product and they're selling the product and they're struggling they don't realize that well these people that bought their product the first time you found them yeah, yeah. I probably went through a lot to find them to begin with. Figure out what other things you can sell to them. Yeah, you know, um, I had a woman on. I, her episode hasn't even been released yet, but um, she's in the earthworm business, like making good soil and composting and things like that. And she would sell. I think the at, at first she was selling like the worms to people to make good soil. And she realized, well, wait a second, I'm selling people the worms and now they're all just doing it on their own. They don't need me to <laughs> yeah. do this as opposed to her selling the soil And this. It was an interesting, uh, uh, you know, conclusion, but I think that, um, that the, the kettlebell idea, like, were you using kettlebells or no? Um, when I first started, you when we started the company, that was the first time I really started using kettlebells, you know, maybe six months before we started the company. And yeah. I personally saw a lot of benefit from it because I had never used the tool before. You know, I'd always went to the gym like a like complete, you know, meathead where I'm lifting as heavy as possible, as hard right. as possible. You know, I'm, I'm really burning myself. Yeah, that's what you used to do in those days. Now I tore my shoulder, my elbow. I <laughs> yeah. Do it, right? Eventually, eventually. But you there's want- these guys at my gym still. I see them. They're in their 20s yeah. and they're pumping iron or whatever. Yeah, I was going to so say what happened. Somebody said, Hey, you ought to try these or you just tried them or a I, trainer just, said, hey. I, I was just on, on my own personal journey. You know, I, I had grown up being very competitive in sports and very competitive in general, uh, around, you know, working out and things like that. So when I would go to like a normal gym, uh, it yeah. just wouldn't feel like the setting I would want to work out in. It felt more like a social scene than, it, than, yeah. a, than an actual fitness facility sometimes. Yeah, that's so, more of the fitness clubs versus the gyms, you know. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, and the, you're right. And so there are some that are a lot better. And I think, you know, different gyms have different kind of uh, cultures now more than ever, yeah. which I like. But at the time, I was just, you know, just out of college kind of having to choose the cheapest choice. And I didn't like it. You know, yeah, I, I, didn't didn't necessarily, I didn't necessarily yeah, like it. You go to the musclehead gyms because yeah. they were cheap and, you yeah. know, nobody – but there wouldn't be like there were treadmills and you know uh, yoga classes. They don't yeah. they didn't exist at those gyms. Yeah, exactly. we would go there to bench. 
whatever you could lift. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't do that stuff yeah, anymore. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, they wouldn't. Or yeah, so you'd either have a gym like that with no real Olympic lifts and no, you know, no real uh, equipment like that, or treadmills and bikes and things like that, or you'd have where they go completely the other way and it's just a huge amount of treadmills and bikes and people just sitting. Yeah, like what were those not tr- fra- franchises? Soul Cycle. And yeah. uh, there were two of those where they, when cycling yeah. became real big, you know, yeah. and that's all they, they would do. But I, I never liked that stuff. I was never a class guy. Like my wife was like, let's take this class. I'm like, I like my own stuff, you know, because <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. how I grew up, right? At the gym. Yeah. You go to the gym yeah. to work out with your friends. There was no classes. Yeah. Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, so I started, and we get off the topic. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. No. So basically I started working out at home a lot and uh, I started looking into more, you know, home fitness and what tools people are using at home. And once I started working out with kettlebell, it was more interesting because it was off balanced and it wasn't something I'd used before. But then, uh-huh. I mean, I actually started seeing faster results and I was like, wait a minute, like. I should have been a, right. at the very least supplementing this in into into some of my workouts. Right, because you're probably now using your muscles differently than you were. Oh, or your muscles. I saw certain muscles that, that I'd never yeah, seen be as bigger than or bigger or more defined or stronger in in whatever functionality that that I may have been struggling with before, and it's because more right. of the dynamic motions of using it. The same way you will get, you know, a little more explosion, if you will, out of like Olympic lifts versus your static lifts. Uh, Got it. You know, you're you're generating that dyma- that dy- dynamic and uh, momentum power versus yeah. your, you know just your static strength basically. And that was at the beginning of the whole like you know how are we going to work out at home? What are you going to do? I yeah. mean, you know, you grew up yeah. and they were like, I don't know, you had those things you'd squeeze whatever those were. Yeah. There was nothing. Wait <laughs> yeah. to have your ankles when you go running. Yeah. yeah. There was nothing like that. So yeah. let me ask you a question on the business side, getting away from the F, because I could talk about the gym stuff all the time. Sure. Um, did you did you guys have going in the the plan and the the strategic plan to ultimately exit this business? I mean, like, were you saying, listen, we're going to grow this thing, and then we're going to buy, and we're going to, you know, seven to ten years, we're going to sell out and go into another business? Or you you really didn't know that at that point? Not at all. Yeah, not not no. at all. I mean, we we knew. I mean, this is kind of the same way I look at everything is. I know I want to compete on the highest level. So whoever's out there doing it, you know, I want to compete on well, that do level. It better. Yeah, I want right. to do it equal to better. You know, I want to be in the ballpark of what people, uh, when they think about whatever industry I'm in, you know, I want to set yeah. that example. Uh, I want to be one of the leaders. So you didn't. So, we, no, we, did, we didn't know what that was going to look like. Um, okay. We knew we needed to get, you know, we, we had, you know, milestones. We wanted to get to a million in revenue and then maybe five million in revenue. But yeah. the the goals were to get it to a point where we could either give ourselves, you know, kind of a stable income without having to work as hard for it or sell it to someone and, and you know, try to make some, some life changing money that way. Um, once we started really looking for extreme amount of inventory financing and different things like that, the amount of money that we needed to grow the company was really close to, you know, the same kind of amount that someone would maybe would purchase it for, if you will. Uh, you know, if you're talking about taking your company uh, from America and having enough inventory to do three more countries, you know, that you're talking that yeah. that's in the millions of inventory alone. Right. Uh, so partnering with a larger company or figuring out some type of acquisition or agreement that would give us an upside on the expansion as well as some type of down payment was was what we ended up doing, basically. And and you had you find these people you just kind of ran into them from looking to grow. Well, through our inventory inventory financing search, uh, you know, we started talking with people, and then you know, small uh, I shouldn't say small investment investment groups, you know, capital uh-huh. investment firms started reaching yeah, out like to us. Yeah, like private equity type yeah, of groups. Yeah, you know, offering different uh, relationships, and, and then uh, quite a few people started, you know, seeing the value in the social and kind of the content generation strategy, if you will, that we had built. So, you know, our content generation is pretty priceless uh, for that brand. It it literally is an audience. You know, our competitors have to hashtag kettlebell kings in order to get in front of a large audience if they're trying to sell kettlebells. And really, that, that's the position I think most companies are trying to put themselves in where you're, you know, right, your name is synonymous name. with it. Yeah, with, sure. with, with the quality version of that particular product. Um, and, right. you know, so I, I think a lot of that just kind of led to more people reaching out to us. Uh, we get a lot of social traction because 
our following is so big that every single vendor we work with wants to do some type of cross promotional, uh, you know, some type of cross promotional campaign sure, or, collab or, or, something or like marketing that. collab or, or if you That's will. That's become so, very big now. Yeah, yeah sure. Exactly. Smart stuff brands that they recognize. And so, yeah, right, the bigger so, brand, the more you get to take advantage of those types of things. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, so we're at the point where you exited the business. We'll talk about this. Let's take a brief commercial break because these people pay me money. So I got to put their name on because <laughs> sure. they support the podcast. And then we'll come back and we can talk about, you know, the whole process of exiting and selling and what you got to do and the, you know, selling your soul to the devil type of thing. And then how you started and what's going on with the new company. Sounds Does that make sense? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. So let me pull up the commercials here. Here's a word from our sponsors. Looking to market and grow your business? Or perhaps you're just getting started and want to hit the ground running. AWeber is the best choice for online email marketing and automation of your business. From maintaining a subscriber list to drip campaigns and landing pages, AWeber gives you tools and integrations that make marketing easy and fun. As our partner and sponsor, we use all their tools to promote the podcast and market our law firm. AWeber, the best alternative for online marketing. For over 30 years, the Alternative Board, or TAB, has built a thriving community of forward-thinking CEOs and business owners who want to radically improve their companies. Through unique combinations of one-on-one business coaching, participation in monthly TAB board meetings with other non-competing owners, a suite of strategic tools, and customized strategic planning workshops, TAB membership can deliver greater strength to your business and a better work-life balance for you and your family. All packaged in a streamlined and affordable service that the people at TAB invite you to try risk-free. Maybe you're looking to get into podcasting or you just want to market your business. Maybe you want to do it for enjoyment or because you have a message you want to get out there. One of One Productions is a New Jersey-based studio just over the George Washington Bridge that caters to the booming business of podcasting. They offer a comfortable atmosphere using the latest technology available to record your podcast. And they are a full-service media company offering both audio and video production services, creating both audio and video podcasts as well as video shorts for business and personal use. Professional audio equipment packages are available through their website for all budgets. And be sure to check out their podcast guesting kit created especially for our listeners. Follow the link in the show notes to learn more about all of our sponsors. And now back to our show. All right, Chad. So we were talking about how you were looking to expand the business, right? And then you... um, people started getting interested in buying the company. So tell me about that experience because I'm always curious and a lot of the listeners like to hear about people that exited and what they went through and, you know, that type of stuff. Sure. Um, You know, when we first started looking to, you know, look for, let's say, a million plus dollars in financing for the company, a lot of it led to conversations about equity or potential equity and what types of kind of – arrangements, I guess, in in terms of the profit sharing or basically the profit around, you know, that equity getting paid back. Those conversations led to more of internal conversations between us, like what are we willing to give up each in in terms to get what we want and what scenarios do do we think would would be most lucrative for us personally as well as for the business. Right. So it wasn't just like they'll just give you a bag of money and you leave and good luck. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I mean, and if that was the case, you know, we want to take that in consideration as well. You know, one of the things we prided ourselves on is really using data and using the business, uh, just sound business practices to try to make decisions. So, you know, it's not necessarily personal. If we felt like someone else had the capability to run the brand better than we could, we wanted to find that person and create a relationship and see right, how you, didn't, you didn't necessarily have to run it, but you don't want it to die. You just yeah, built up ex- this whole thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And so that led to basically um, us realizing that, okay, we're, we're not going to really be able to find the lump sum cash that we want. There's going to have to be some kind of arrangement in which we stay on board and try to help, or at least try to steer this, the ship in the right direction. Uh, right. Different companies talk to us about different time periods the one company we ended up going with wanted a three-year kind of commitment from us. So, you know, we stay on board for the three-year time frame right. to 
assist with the transition and kind of ensure that the company is living up to the, you know, its full potential, whether that's through the relationships or just anything needed with those expansion efforts. Sure. And you stayed on all three years? So we're, right now we're about a year and a half in. So, oh, okay. So yes. you just exited about a year and a half ago. Okay. Yeah. So still, still in the, middle, in the middle of that experience. Um, it, it's going, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, I think a transition is, is always going to be hard. So sure. Um, the way, you know, like I say, the way we look at anything is we're always trying to make sound business moves and every quarter, every six months, whatever it is, you know, I'm always meeting with my business partners to try to figure out what the best strategy is for us moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So, um, so that's, and then do you have a non-compete? Like, so you can't go into anything in sports related in, uh, not necessarily sports related, just really kettlebells right now, you know, so just very specific. Yeah. yeah, I can't, I can't necessarily do a a kettlebell, another kettlebell company, but I, you know, I do, I do. My other company is obviously, um, somewhat in the health and wellness space. And then one of my other business partners, he has a, a, a separate sports and fitness brand. So, it's not necessarily that strict uh, when it comes to that part of it. It's more uh, having us around for uh, the ability to make sure that, you know, ensure things go the right way. Got it. So, so you're more consulting with the company because I didn't Correct. realize you were still in the transition period and you started a new company. I thought you had, yeah. that was long behind you and you had started the new company. So let's talk about the new company yeah. and what had that come about and what is it and you know, how you're able to do it. Sure. My new company is uh, Life Grows Green, and it's basically, you know, through my journey and uh, business experience, personal experience, you know, I kind of have noticed and seen people struggle with the types of products that they use just in their their natural lifestyle products and the things they ingest or put on their on their on their body, on their skin, uh, if you will. So I started Life Grows Green to try to fill a void or fill a gap that I saw in terms of people's understanding of how you can use natural products to help prevent or steer you away from uh, pharmaceutical solutions, if you will. Um, so it's not what, just skincare. We're talking about holistic, you know, yeah, I'm, care I'm talking for about your body. Yeah, exactly. I'm talking about everything from, you know, the sheets that you sleep on, the pillow that you oh, use okay. to the supplements that you ingest. You know, I'm, I'm literally talking about everything that you can think that can be a natural product. We have allowed commercialism and, uh, corporate corporate greed, really, to be honest, to convince us that it's better for it to be produced in that in that fashion. And right. So you're going to be like the natural organic Amazon. You'd sell anything as long as it's natural and organic yeah. and good for you. I never put it that. That's the first time I heard, ever heard it put like. <laughs> well, that, you just yeah. said right. It could uh, be anything. Yeah, no, I, I thought originally yeah, it was I, like. I was going to say I'll steal that from you. <laughs> you can have it. You yeah. can have it. Well, but I thought it was originally like you know, skincare and health and so forth. So it could be something topical or something you ingest, but you're saying, no, no, no. If it's your bed sheets, we don't want you to have an, a rash from your bed sheets and put all these chemicals on it. We want it to be natural cotton or I don't know, whatever they make yeah. bed sheets out of. Right? It, exactly. And, and Amazon, it, that would be very uh, ambitious goal. So yeah, I, don't know. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'm, <laughs> I'm starting there, but I think that, w- that would be the idea. And the way I like to try—that's to what do, you're building—is like a holistic, natural marketplace. Correct. Yeah, that is correct. Okay. And the okay. way I like to try to build any of the brands is I, I'm trying to build a community first, and really, not—you know—I don't think that I'm like the Messiah, and uh, and I have all the answers and tell try to tell people how they should do things. I like to try to find like-minded communities and build those communities, and you know, really try to tear down any stigmas and uh, barriers that prevent people from coming together over these ideas. So. So with, think about more what they want, not what yeah, you want to shove down the throat. Yeah, exactly. So I start right. with, you know, a baseline of products and then I am continuously trying to build a community and see, okay, what what other healthy products can I kind of steer this community in the right direction of and what are you know, what are they asking for? Um, yeah. I think everyone right now is more open than they've ever been to finding natural solutions to things. You know, I think we're finally Definitely. at a point where people are starting to wake up and realize that, you know, McDonald's is not serving you the best quality food. And, you know, there are other things that you can do and other companies that have kind of aspirations to uh, to the quality aspect of, of, of our experience here on Earth. And I think that's that's what I want to be known for. That's the main goal I have. I think that um, the best businesses that I've interviewed, clients that I've had are, are forget about whether it's natural health, wellness, whatever the industry is. 
they are constantly asking their customers for feedback as to what they buy, why they buy, what they would like to buy. And, and it does create, you know, it creates loyalty because it creates an affinity to the company and the brand because it's like, well, this brand must care about me because they're listening to what I have to say. And it becomes kind of a reflection of who they are, what they want to do or what they, what they want to buy, you know? Um, I mean, look, even Amazon does it. They just use like very complicated algorithms. They watch what <laughs> yeah. you buy and then they say, oh, Chad, we saw you bought these. And then they recommend 17 other products that yeah. maybe you'll, you'll be interested in. But, uh, but the, yeah, the best cust- the best clients I've had are the best business owners and entrepreneurs. They're constantly asking the question and they don't ask it once. They're asking it all the time for feedback about, you know, and it makes you right. It's, it does create a community. It creates people to participate you know, in your business, which yeah. creates brand opportunities and cross-selling opportunities and collaboration opportunities and promotional opportunities, all that kind of stuff. I think people miss that, don't you think? I, I, 100%. I tell every yeah. social media manager I have, I'm, I tell them that a troll is just a, a rabid, a rabid uh, follower. That's all they really are. So right. you, you can turn people's energy um, into something positive. People they want to express things and they want to be a part of things. And when, especially when you see people online, you know, I think right. if the internet has taught us anything, it's that people are looking for connection. They're looking to communicate with people. They're looking for people to listen to their ideas, to look at their pictures, yep. to look at their thoughts and videos. And yep. when you can create a centralized place that focuses on a concept, especially a positive concept, I think it's really easy to build a community as long as you just keep fostering with some type of value and reason for people to come back there. And it's obviously easier said than done, but that's what I, you know, that's what I did with kettlebell Kings in the, in the fitness space. You know, I use that as a centerpiece for a health and wellness community. And now I'm trying to use kind of the concept of natural, natural lifestyle, natural products, plant-based products. Right. It's the same the formula. It's just in a different, yeah. I'm trying, yeah. To, I'm trying to create a community around that. And you know, Chad, I don't know if that's a fair statement to say that it's, it's not easier said than done. It, that is true that it's not easier said than done. But if you apply yourself, I mean, you just said before that you guys became very good at content creation, right? Putting out content that resonated with your, you know, with your community. And that became very valuable to, uh, as a matter of fact, you said people still use that hashtag. So, you know, I think that if people like focused a little bit, maybe got a little bit of help and started putting out really good content, and sometimes that takes time to figure out. But I think that's one of the things that people miss, even if they're not an online business, they're a brick and mortar business, putting out content and becoming what's the word uh, like relevant and an authority in your in, in even in your little industry, whatever that industry happens to be. I think that that's such a key to success. I mean, look what it did for you and your partners. You, you didn't get into this thing and say, let's build a business. In the seven to 10 years, we're going to exit the business. And we're going to look for a 3X multiple and all that kind of stuff. People yeah. do that. But you kind of went on this journey, like, let's just build a really good company. Let's find a product that we can resonate with, become good at it and all that. And it kind of took care of itself. You know, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens. It's not magic. But if you do what you did, Right. And now you're doing it again. And I'm sure you were going to be successful because you got the formula. And as long as you follow the formula, you know, you and I might be talking three years from now. You'd be like, yeah, the company didn't make it. You know why? Because I didn't stick with what I knew was I was supposed to do. And I went off the rails. People do that. But that's what I think. I think people miss the value of becoming a thought leader. They're afraid to do. I don't know what it is. Yeah. I mean, I think. No, not at all. I I think (laughs) I think, you know, for me, it comes easier than I think it comes to most people because of my athletic background. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, my athletic background is, is always about the team. It's always about improving. Even when you win the game, you go watch film about your mistakes and you get better. And so right. you, there's never a game that you just say, oh, we're not going to go watch film. We didn't. We did everything perfect yesterday. No, but that's what makes you a a, a premier athlete because you're driven, you're an A type. You want, it's like, well, I don't know what comes first, the personality type or the sports accomplishments. They kind of feed each other. So that's not a surprise. Yeah. And then with business, I try to, you know, create that culturally inside of like, you know, if you're using the kettlebell as an example, you know, how can we get better at serving the community? How can we make a better product? Everyone has their own measurement of success inside of that. And so every day is just a, it's just a rinse and repeat of let's do our best. Let's try to, let's try to 
serve the community the best way we can and then see what we did wrong, see what they think of how we've been serving them and try to do it better. And once you start creating those feedback loops of positivity where you know when you do something, the community is going to respond in this way. It's like you have your finger on the pulse and everything becomes super easy. Uh, you, of course. You know, you know how many sales you're going to make before you send the email, before you even send. Yeah, because you, know, you, you, you already posts. know what's happening, right? Yeah, you're I think the sports mentality definitely helps. You know, there's a lot of people that they go into work every day. They go into their company every day and they're just putting out fires. Yeah. And, you know, but, you know, you're you're very like a lot of athletes, especially at the college level, because. I mean, the pros is different, right? But college is a whole nother level from growing up and playing in the streets and playing even high school ball, right? You're, yeah. it, it's very intense and it's a big part. It probably was a bigger part of your schooling than your schooling was. That seems to be when you play, right, at college level, they like squeeze in the school and you got to be doing whatever sport <laughs> yeah. you're in at seven days a week, right? Yeah, like yeah that's squeezing yeah. the school. So like I went out for the tennis team. I was a big tennis player in high school. I went out for the tennis team at Cornell. I wasn't recruited or anything, but I could have made it like as a, an alternate or whatever. And I was trying, mm-hmm. after the tryouts, I was like, oh my God, this is going to like, uh, like take over my whole life. I didn't come here for that. And I didn't, maybe I should have, <laughs> but I didn't. And I was like, ah, and I, and I didn't wait around to see if I got on the team or not. But I, yeah. I think there's a certain personality that drives you to sports, makes you successful. And there's certain things in sports that makes you successful after that. And people don't have that that kind of drive. So I'm not saying that they can just develop it. I, it's hard to do that. But if you can stay focused on what your daily goals are, right, your daily activities that you need to be doing, which you just mentioned, right, coming in and saying, listen, I know these are the things I want to do to make today successful. Yeah. Write them down, pin them on your forehead. I don't know whatever it is, but people just get distracted. I mean, they walk into their work and there's everything's a fire drill a whole day. Then the yeah. day finishes and they did nothing. And the white weeks go by and the months go by and the years go by and they're just wandering around and there becomes a lifestyle business. There's no measure of productivity or anything like that. I'm sure you guys must have measured that all the time, right? Yeah, I mean, 100%. And, and that's one of the things that I'm also a big proponent of is just using digital tools to their full potential. I mean, we live in a, yeah. a, a data a data age. You know, there's no excuse for you not kind of recording the journey, recording. Uh, I look it's at lazy. it like film. You know, like right. it's literally like film. So if I don't have a digital tra- trace of what I did yesterday, three days ago, three weeks ago, I'm I'm not going to be able to go watch film and improve on it. And so everything, yeah, no game film. Is, you can't be ready for next week, right? Absolutely, yeah, exactly. So everything I yeah. set up is some type of tracking that, at some point, even if it's once a year, we're trying to improve on pretty much any data point that we can uh, correlate to another and improve upon. Got it. So, so the business plan with the new company is basically, correct me if I'm wrong, right? Is to grow, grow a, um, a, a following, grow a community, kind of do the same thing you did with the kettlebells to build product offerings that they want, grow a community, get followers, and then supplement it from there as you go, right? Find collaboration, things like that, and eventually grow it to the point where you have sales and you got a following, and you got a community, maybe subscription based if you can figure that part out. And then sure. I guess exit I mean, again, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think you know we already have some 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 of the things on your you know on that list checked off already. And so I think you know ultimately it would be to get to a point where we could see ourselves as like an Amazon type marketplace. Um, you know, I think that's the the ultimate vision. Um, yeah. The way I, the way I look at it now is you know we have to start somewhere with kind of that spark or that community, uh, that underground community of supporters and. Uh, you know, that's what I'm really trying to focus on and build a concept around of what types of people are into natural products as a priority in their lives and how do they typically go about shopping and how can I pull those people together as, as quickly as possible and serve them content and, and bring them value. Yeah. So how did you how did you learn to do that? I mean, I don't know if you have the customer list from kettlebells or maybe you're not allowed to have the customer list from kettlebells. How do you then take, oh, I have this great concept. It's a great idea. I want to get it out to people. How do you go about how does a business owner go about getting the word out there and finding these people? Yeah, I mean, I definitely can't just like use, you know, use kettlebells. I think right. when you when you build, you know, some sort of credibility that, you know, you I think you get a little boost every time you do something else so you know there okay. there is a sense of credibility in in the the brand that i built before and the the community i've built before but so you have some following that yeah yeah fought, I ha- that yeah i have some over. following that would you know that would know of me and and what i built and things right. like that but i i think more importantly 
you know, I really don't even want to like lean on that. I, I look at these things as, right. as completely separate. And so, uh, well, let's assume you're not Chad Price or yeah, you're exactly. Chad Price let's, you know, let's 15 assume years just ago. You started this from scratch. You right. Know, like, just yeah, like so what do you do? Telebuck company. Just start uh, writing blogs. I mean, what do you do? Exactly. You got to start producing content. You know, you got to start producing okay. blogs, videos. Uh, you have to work with people who are already in the space. So collaborations go way, you know, way further than most people think. Um, yeah, it's almost like building an alliance of online personalities and personas and people that follow the image that you're trying to build. So, you know, instead of me thinking of myself going to produce, you know, uh, two years worth of production for my, my own internal content, you know, I'm going right. to only try to produce 5% of that and go work with other people who are already producing content that I would think my audience should see and right. And they have their I, own follow. They have their own followings. They have, they have everything. And the people who are business minded in those settings, they will already know how to take their audience and make money off of it. The people who are not business minded, they, they might just produce good content and they want to be in front of other places where contents gets aggregated. And so there's, there's a win-win for everyone that is actually true to the ultimate goal of, serving a community high quality content um yeah you know no one no one wants espn to pay them to be on espn they, they will gladly let espn show any video of them doing any sports clip and it's right, just they're not going to charge espn it, but they don't want to pay exactly but the 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 value is in espn fostering that place where it's a credible source of sports information and when, and when someone you sees you there that's that's yeah. a big deal and that's that's yeah. more what I like, like to try to create online as well. Yeah, definitely. There was a guy on my podcast. It was my first live episode in March. Like, what what was it? April? Yeah, in March. And he he's got a, a company called Blogger Evolution, and that's how he got started. He had a job, and I think his wife stopped, wanted to stop working, so she's having a baby. And he said, "You know what? I'm going to see if I can do some affiliated marketing." Right? You know what affiliate marketing is? Yeah. People listening, right? You can promote products from other people, and then they pay you. So he would like pick up, I don't know, what, you know, pens or something, selling pens, right? So he would say, he would start, you know, a blog. This is many years ago, but he still does it. And then he would just start putting out content about pens and writing and things. And, you know, eventually people start buying and then you get $100 a month, $200 a month, a couple thousand dollars a month. And there's companies that buy these things, like they pay 35 to 45 times the monthly revenue. And he would just do it and he would just repeat it. Now he's got a thing called blogger revolution but blogger evolution where he teaches people how to blog and how to make money and it's all about content and I'm, i mean like you know putting out 30 40 50 articles before you start seeing any you know yeah. things so a lot of the stuff just like the podcast you have to be persistent right you, you're not going to get a following in a week if you're just starting out i'm sure it took a while right Oh, it takes quite a while. And I think that's, that's yeah. the frustrating part is it, it yeah. has to become an essential part of the, the corporate policies, if you will. And you don't, you see just any, keep doing. you don't see any benefit from it at first. Like you, no. it's a, it's a long, you have to believe you got to be a yeah, believer. Yeah, yeah. You have to be believed. Yeah. And no, I, I think yeah. the good thing though, is you do get, you do get some kind of, let's say, you know, some pats on the back, if you will, if you're really setting up the data and watching your engagement. And I think that's one of the things that I've always dig on is even if it's just five followers the first time, if the next right. time seven, the next time's 14, yeah. you know, like right. as long as we're going in the right direction, right? Like, yeah, and it builds up steam. Yeah, you build up steam. And so I think there's a lot to getting out there, creating a content schedule, doing it for a month or two and sitting down with an expert and, a, and analyzing what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, what you do better. And then but just don't do it in a week. Do don't put one thing on LinkedIn and say, oh. I once posted yeah, no, something on LinkedIn. I didn't get anything. You definitely should look at it in the month, in month or even quarterly uh, perspective. Right. I think month. I think monthly is fair, but if you're talking about sales, you know, you you probably should move to quarterly if you're talking move about sales. Move farther out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I it took me a long time before even people even recognize me of the podcast. Now I go places here locally, people recognize me, and I get business from the podcast. But yeah. I didn't for the first year. And a buddy of yeah. mine, he's got a podcast <laughs> called the E Tribe. I think. Esar and I was on his podcast where we did a dual episode and he said it's not magic but it seems like it's magic <laughs> you just keep putting out content good content yeah. not bad content but good content on a regular basis and don't ever say 
that piece didn't work. Like you don't know because that piece could lead to this and somebody else reads it here. And it's, and once it's all out there, it keeps working because yeah. it's, it's right. It's, it's in stuff never goes away in the internet. You know, like you yeah. said, hashtag kettlebell Kings is still being used and out there and so forth. Yeah. So you create this groundswell. Well, I appreciate the time you're, you, you, you came on again um, to, to, um, because, uh, I, you know, I think it's a great story and I, you're achieving a lot of stuff and the whole, the whole story is interesting. And you, you shared a lot of good things for people that are listening to hopefully, you know, reduce the mistakes that a lot of people make when they're in business to figure things out. So I can't thank you enough. Let's definitely stay in touch. I want to hear what's going on with the new company. Check back in maybe in a year or so. And, sure. um, yeah. And, uh, I appreciate it again. Have a great weekend. Thank you for having me. It was nice to to be on again. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Accidental Entrepreneur. Opening and closing music written and performed by Howie Moscovich and Made to Order Music. For information about Howie and his music services, please follow the link in our show notes. If you like the podcast, please tell others about us. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, on Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most of the other podcast directories. If you like what you hear, please leave us a five-star review and feel free to share our episodes on social media. If you have any questions or comments, ideas for the show, or you'd even like to appear as a guest, reach out to us by email at info at The Accidental Entrepreneur is hosted by Mitch Beinacker and produced by Beinacker Law. If you'd like to learn more about our business and legal services, you can find us on social media or visit our website at BeinackerLaw.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our feed to be notified of all future episodes.